praise and worship time, even though it's cold outside. I do have a few announcements here today. Um, you can see the 9.30 opportunities that we have for fellowship and for learning, and we have that for all the children, the youth, and for adults as well, different classes there. Um, Adana and Maria have prepared a turkey Mexican style that we'll have for our fellowship meal a little bit later. Looking forward to that. Um, those that prepare meals, there's a lot of, lot they put into that, a lot of love and a lot of time and so forth. And, uh, there will not be regular services this Wednesday or quilting or things like that um, as it's Thanksgiving week now. And, uh, but there, the quilt sale is going on now uh, in the foyer there by the kitchen or that area. And then there was that weather-related announcement that it's that time of year. We'll just believe for Sundays being free, but if, if there is a winter storm warning, you know, not watch, but if there's a, a warning or a wind chill warning in effect during our serv service time, then we don't uh, require our <clears throat> worship teams, children's ministers, and other helps ministries to come. It's up to their own discretion, and there won't be meals then either that those days. But um, Joyce and I will come to the church if we can get here, and... Uh, We'll have a service for with whoever is here. Uh, but we'll also post those announcements um, on our TCC Facebook page, and we'll send out emails for that. So, hallelujah. <clears throat> and then I wanted to mention this once again, that some time ago the TCC elders asked for your input on possible deacons, and at that time I shared with you a prayer that when that we were praying about these things about a year ago actually seeking the Lord about our temporal affairs areas and we covered in prayer the financial building grounds upkeep and maintenance areas and during that time of prayer there was a vision that came forth and uh, it was kind of what you see in this picture there of the raindrops on the calm water and the interpretation of that vision was that these raindrops represented leaders of various areas of ministry with our buildings and grounds and financial areas. And the circles around the drops represented teams of people working with those leaders. And eventually the circles cover the area and even there's some overlapping. And now we have a picture of a single drop, one of those single drops and um, we shared that we believe that some of those represented leaders and some deacons. And the elder team has selected two people at this time to join Joan Pomp as part of our deacon team. And they are Sue Van Tassel and Joyce Ann Pomp. And I uh, also want to thank all three of these ladies for the time and focus that they have already given to these areas for many years without the title of deacon. Kathy Coodley, our children's ministry director, has also been working closely with this team in the past 
and she will continue to do that. Um, we have a spreadsheet, I, I guess it's in my briefcase there, but it shows the various areas of need in our church for different temporal type things. And I just happened to think of one, Joan reminded me this morning that we do need someone to confirm that uh, would help shovel some snow if there's snow on Sunday morning and we just need to get that scooped out of there uh, to talk, if you could talk to Joan about that, if you'd be willing to be at least part of a team to do that. Um, <clears throat> so, hallelujah. There's one more thing that I, would, I need to mention today and that is that there is a piece of property that Bill and Donna Wasco lived on, which they gave to TCC in 2008, actually. Uh, Donna now resides in heaven, and Bill has moved off the property and lives in a care facility in Kellier, and he's requested that the property be sold at this time and that the funds be given to this, our church family. Uh, if you have comments concerning this, you may share them with either the TCC deacons or elders. And um, there is a possibility that according to Minnesota law, we may need to have a brief meeting on Sunday, December 2, after the worship service to vote about that. So you can keep that in mind. We don't know that for sure yet, but uh, it's a possibility. We will let you know when we find out. So, praise God. You know, I... We are having Peter and Linnea Coffin bring our message today. And uh, I thought of it this morning that I was to have the blessed life moment. And so I thought, well, when I get to church, I'll have, Lord, you'll have to show me what you would have for that time. And we usually have that as kind of a focus around our giving of tithes and offerings, which we do in the boxes in the back there. Um, but I came in, I walked, I usually am sitting over here as the teams begin to practice and the folks are in the sound booth and so I walked up here and I saw the wreath and the thank you. You know, this Thanksgiving Day focus that we're having, the thank you really for the cross and for Jesus. And I just got these bumps all over my arms when I saw that, it just so spoke to me, thank you, Lord. Thank you. On this Thanksgiving Day, we thank you for the cross. And then I just looked up, there's a song that uh, Graham Kendrick wrote, and I think we'll get the words up for that. I'm just going to say it because I don't know it, the tune or anything, but thank you for the cross, the price you paid for us how you gave yourself so completely. Precious Lord, precious Lord. Now our sins are gone, all forgiven, covered by your blood, all forgotten. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say that. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord. Really love you, Lord. I will never understand why you love me. You're my deepest joy. You're my heart's desire. And the greatest thing of all, O oh Lord, I see you delight in me. 
For our healing there, Lord, you suffered. And to take our fear, you poured out your love. Precious Lord, precious Lord, Calvary's work is done. It's finished. You have conquered, able now to save so completely. Say it with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so we do thank you, Lord. And we thank you for the indescribable gift that you've given our Father, God, to us, of your Son, of your Son, to die for us on the cross. And on this Thanksgiving Day, that just outshines all the other things that we're thankful for your great salvation for Jesus, for sending him. And Lord, as we give of our tithes and offerings, we just, we just give a portion of what is yours, really, but we give it unto you from a cheerful heart, and we're thankful that we can, and we want to do this unto you, and we give it unto you, Jesus, our high priest. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise God. Peter and Linnea, why don't you come up here? Praise God. I'm just going to pray over you a minute before you start. I'm not going to give introduction, I don't think, because I think you all know, but why don't you just reach out a hand toward them right now. <clears throat> Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your anointing to teach that is upon these two, already I know, but for this morning now, may your word come forth under the unction of your spirit, we know it will, and we thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning. Morning. Power. <laughs> All right, so I think we um, uh, will open in prayer too. That sounds good. All right, so Father, we too, we just ask that you would uh, anoint our lips, anoint our tongues, and anoint the ears of everybody here that, um, above all things, that uh, the glory would be given to you, Jesus, that ultimately um, we would find a new way to worship you, to see you, um, and to love you this morning, and as we go through this week, and as we go into the Thanksgiving holiday. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, so... When we first were, were kind of approached to, to give a message at Thanksgiving time, um, one of the first things that sort of came to my mind was sort of that, uh, kind of paint a picture for you here. Maybe this would come to your mind too, is sort of that stereotypical image of uh, the all-American family, right? Um, they're sitting around that Thanksgiving dinner. Um, the football maybe is buzzing in the background a little bit. Maybe it's turned down enough so that you can hear each other. Um, and, and the 
the, the smell is wafting up, you have the turkey laid out, the stuffing, the cranberry sauce, it all's looking so good and everybody's mouths are starting to water, right? And they're, they're leaning in and you're getting ready to, maybe you've even said the prayer quickly, so you're ready to, oh, the forks are picked up, you're ready to dive right in. And somebody inevitably, right, at the end of the table, maybe it's, it's grandma, maybe it's uh, the spiritual sister, hands folded in the lap, says, well... Maybe we should say, maybe we should all go around and say what we're thankful for. <laughs> and of course, everybody groans and their shoulders sag and the forks hit the plate. Okay, we'll go around. We'll rattle off our thankfuls quick so we can get back to the football, get back to our eating, right? Um, so I was thinking about that. And whether we like it or not, maybe this isn't the way maybe it is for you. Um, but I think uh, at times this, this holiday has become sort of a holiday of guilt, right? Um, like it's our duty to be thankful. Um, there's other people starving in the world, right? Um, you should be grateful for what you have. And if you're not feeling grateful, well, maybe you're just a really selfish, bad person. Um, like it's not a reminder of what we have, but Thanksgiving is more of a reminder of um, all the unthankfulness we've had the rest of the year. And because of that, I think it's no surprise that sometimes we... Um, that Thanksgiving, that, that thankful part of Thanksgiving has sort of been relegated to the sidelines. It's sort of like a, uh, a hackney, sort of tacky little thing, like, all right, we'll say it. They have this nice little ritual, uh, but the real point of Thanksgiving, right, is to gorge ourselves, to be entertained by football day, and then to get great bargains on a bunch of stuff later at uh, Black Friday, right? Um, and that's what people are kind of associated with now these days. Um, so today, our purpose is sort of to break that association off a little bit. Um, we want to kind of put a, new, a, a good light on Thanksgiving. Um, we want to talk about it as what God wants it to be in our lives. Um, and we kind of have this, want this idea to be that it's not about thanksgiving, it's not about a, a thanksdoing, um, that it's a work of the spirit, not of a work of the flesh. And... Uh... We can't fight the flesh with flesh. I think a lot of times we um, hear a convicting word and we know that our flesh is getting in the way. And so we use elements of the flesh to try to change the flesh. And so really the only thing that can essentially kill our flesh is the powerful love of the Holy Spirit. And so... Often, oftentimes we realize our flesh isn't naturally thankful, so then we just try to be thankful. And it doesn't always work so well. Um, and so allowing that Holy Spirit to pour his love into our hearts is really what helps us to die to flesh. Um, and I think a lot of times we know, like, we're not supposed to treat the Bible as like a list of rules and regulations. Like, we know that. Like, we know that in our mind. Um, we have to try to remind ourselves, okay, it's not just about the rules. It's not just about like, do this or do that. We know it's about that relationship with God. But sometimes we take the aspect of Thanksgiving and we kind of just apply it to the whole like the law, and we say, oh, okay, I'm just going to think, make a list of things that I'm thankful for, and I'll just say what I'm thankful for, instead of really developing that true heart of thanksgiving. Um, and then without even realizing it, we treat thanksgiving in this way, like as a rule or regulation or duty. Um, and so 
during this time, like Peter was saying, we do make a practice of saying thanks and saying what we're thankful for, what we've been giving, which is a good thing. But when we limit thanksgiving to this ritual, it strips the power and intimacy that a true heart of thanksgiving produces. Um, and so me personally, I've a lot like in the past and even recently I've dealt with legalism a lot of times just that spirit of like am I doing this right should I do this or should I do that and just having that weight of just feeling like nothing you ever do is good enough and many times when I was like seeking the Lord Lord what do I do I just want to be obedient what do I do he'd say cultivate a heart of thanksgiving and that's almost always the first thing I always hear. And I'm like, okay, but I mean the important thing. Like, what's the real thing that's going to fix this problem? And so I think sometimes we just think it's just, you know, the nice little thing where we're like, oh, we just, we thank the Lord. But then what we really should be asking ourselves is, Lord, like, reveal your goodness. Like, help me have that response of thanksgiving. And we don't always realize the power. And then what ends up happening is I try to be thankful, and then it's always short-lived. Like, I, I look around me, I'm like, oh, I'm thankful for the trees. I'm thankful for the road. Oh, it's so nice out today. And then, and I enjoy it for a moment, but then I get distracted. I get busy doing other things, and oh, yeah, now I'm no longer thanking God for every single thing I see. <laughs> so it ends up being short-lived. Um, so one thing we kind of want to make clear is there's nothing, we're not saying there's something wrong about um, kind of these rituals of, like, we like to make lists. Like, um, it's something that's kind of easy to do, right? We like to, we like to look around and say, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. Um, um, and that, I think... It can bear fruit. It can be a really excellent exercise in just looking around and saying, all right, I usually take these things for granted, and now I'm, I'm trying to say I'm thankful for these things. I'm, I'm realizing that these things are important to me, that they're a gift to me, right? Uh, I mean, I think about, like, the Psalms, right? Uh, for the most part, you could look at that book as sort of a repetitive list of maybe the attributes of God or the provisions he's given and victories over, you know, pain and things like that. Uh, and it's sort of over and over again, it's the same praises, word for word. It's one of those few books of the Bible that you know you can open up anywhere and you're going to get like a good word of encouragement, a good word of, uh, of thankfulness, perhaps, of, you know, saying something about God. Um, so there's definitely value in these little traditions, these little... Uh, repetitive phrases that we have, because I think it's part of how God works. He knows that that's how we think, and it, he, he's okay with that, I think. Uh, but I think part of our question this morning is, do we want to just mindlessly benefit maybe um, by proxy from the natural laws of thanksgiving that God's built into the universe? Um, which is fine, except that's kind of what the rest of the world does too, right? They sit down to the turkey, and they benefit from saying thanks. Um, they get something out of doing that every year. Um, but I think what we want to do is we want to uh, intentionally take hold of um, the spiritual intimacy that Thanksgiving can represent in our lives. So uh, I was thinking about this um, when we were talking about this beforehand, and uh, I got, I guess you could call it sort of a parable, maybe, <laughs> um, sort of a picture um, about what this might, like a, a nice metaphor maybe of thinking about this is, um, say, 
um, I'm looking at my life and I'm looking at my wife, and maybe I realize that I, I take her for granted sometimes, and I want to feel more thankful for her in my life. Um, but if I want to do that, should I go and uh, peruse maybe all the gifts she's given me? I go, oh, she gave me these really nice boots a couple of Christmases ago. Um, or maybe it's a nice coat. I should put it on. Ooh, it feels nice and warm. Oh, thanks, Naya. Um, or maybe should I surround my stuff with all the, just the things I associate with my wife? I go, go in a closet maybe, sit down and say, all right, here's her, her work uniform, and here's a picture of her, and, and here's, a, here's a, maybe a story of our adventures together, and here's a whatever, maybe some, some knick-knack that reminds me of a time we had, and, and just look at these things and go, oh yeah, now I'm really seeing my wife here. Yeah, I'm really, really feeling thankful. Um, I could do that, or maybe the more obvious thing is I could sit down with my wife, right? I could look her in the eye. We could talk together. We could have a relationship. Um, and while I'm looking into her eyes, I, I would have a, you know, a remembrance of why I love her, right? And I would be in a state of thanks instead of just looking at the things she's given me and the things I associate with her and saying, well, I'm thankful that she gave me that. I'm thankful for this thing that's associated with her. I'm thankful for who she is. Um, in the same way, um, uh, if Linnea comes to me and says, oh, honey, I'm really thankful that you, you scraped the car this morning, or maybe I'm, I'm really thankful that you did the dishes, or you um, did the laundry, or something like that. Like that, that, feel, that feels pretty good for a moment. Oh, yeah, she's, she's appreciating something I did for her. That's good. Um, but how much more does it say about our relationship? How much better do I probably feel if she comes up to me and says something like, uh, Peter, uh, I really appreciate the kind of husband you are to me, um, and indicate something about who I am on the inside, and says, I, I'm seeing this on inside of you, and I appreciate that, and I'm thankful for that. Because um, then we're actually having a connection there. We're not just identifying uh, behaviors or characteristics, we're actually having relationship, right? Um, and a good husband he is. <laughs> Um, and with that, like just with relationships and our relationship with God, there's a certain vulnerability in intimacy. And so with, it's a lot easier just to thank God for all the things he's given you and just have that surface level um, approach to Thanksgiving. But it becomes almost a little more difficult when we realize some of the reasons why we reject thankfulness or like for myself sometimes I reject it because I think maybe it'll ignore issues or ignore convictions or push emotions down especially if you're dealing with something really difficult that sometimes it can feel like oh thankfulness is just going to mask that when in reality it opens the gates for the Holy Spirit to enter and take care of my problems instead of me and thankfulness just draws our eyes off of ourselves and everything else and directs our eyes towards him. And not cultivating thankfulness reveals a lack of trust that he is good. And instead of responding, like I said earlier, with just, oh, thank you, Lord, like to really develop a heart of thankfulness, it's asking him to reveal his goodness to show his goodness to us. And that's where if we don't have a heart of thankfulness, it's typically because we don't see his goodness 
in our lives in that moment? Um, so I think what's really important to understand this concept is to understand the art of celebration. Um, a lot of time people of the world celebrate and are like, in their minds they celebrate or they work during the week just to get to the weekend and party and, and it's just constant like living to celebrate, living to get to the means of um, celebrating and it, but without him, there's nothing real to celebrate. So then they're just left with this emptiness and instead it becomes a way to numb their minds of the worries around them. And, and instead of actually dealing with the lack of satisfaction that they have deep in their soul. Um, and what this, what this does is it strips the God kind of celebration, it strips celebration from the true joy it was intended to entail. And I think because of the world's um, wanting to just celebrate, sometimes the church, and in, especially in the past, have kind of tried to s swing the pendulum the other way and try to take celebration out and say, oh, no, anything that has to do with celebration, we need to um, remove from ourselves. And in an effort to combat worldliness, um, it creates a struggle where Christians who desire celebration, um, because that's where God, <clears throat> that's where God is, are struggling to strip themselves of something God made them to be. Um, in legalism, it's it's trying so hard to be righteous that you forget to enjoy the righteous one, and. I just think that this element of celebration is just so important because one time I was um, just spending time with the Lord and, and he said, celebrate with me. And so I started to celebrate, but then I felt this tinge of, oh, that I don't think that's right. And I was kind of taken aback because I was like, okay, and the Lord helped to work through this with me. Um, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about um, suffering and the fact that God is not suffering, um, and suffering is not our God. Um, but celebration in the suffering and trials and pruning and discipline. So we as Christians should always be in a celebration um, no matter what our surroundings are. And um, we're told to have joy in the midst of our trials and to rejoice always. And I think here's where, like, my mind, I am constantly just like, well, what about this? What about this? So, like, I, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about suffering, and Jesus says that we're going to suffer. And so I think one of the things that made me believe a lie that God desires that I suffer is because everyone suffers. <laughs> it's like, okay, it must be God's will. Even Jesus suffered on the cross. And while that was God's will, it wasn't his desire for Jesus to be in pain. His desire was to see us set free and to see us 
healed and whole. And so I think, um, I think of the verse that, where Paul talks about being content with much or with little. I think um, that we need to not seek suffering and we need to not seek comfort, but we need to seek Jesus. And no matter what happens, whether we're in a place of suffering or in a place of comfort, we're content in the Lord and in Jesus because it becomes an afterthought. So suffering, that word always like really would like, like you kind of tense up. But when you realize that in God, when you come to him, there's, he does not bring suffering. There's no suffering in heaven. So why, if, if God is suffering, then heaven would be filled with suffering. And so the reason why there is suffering is because there's an opposition to God and the things of God. And so if you're walking with God, you'll suffer because of the opposition to who you're walking with, not because of who you're walking for and with. And so I just think that's so important for us to understand because if we don't understand this, then we can't understand Thanksgiving. We can't truly be thankful because... um, you can only to be, truly be thankful for something that brings you joy. And you can't cultivate a heart of thanksgiving if you're neglecting to enter into the joy of intimacy and a lifestyle of praise and worship and celebration in who God is and who he is in you. And so it's... Um, and I, want, I do want to make clear that there are times to be somber and sorrowful towards sin and to empty ourselves so the Lord can fill us but celebrate the repentance celebrate the repentance in this way we're told to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice so we learn empathy and care deeply for others but it's not a command to bring our spirits out of a place of peace and joy in order to enter the soulish realm, but it's rather to make a connection with those people in that realm to bring about the spirit's purpose, to display the very glory and praise of God. And so I just challenge you to live from that place of celebration, not to get to celebration like the world does to try to fill them and it it's never ending but to live from celebration and in this way no matter what's around you there is a joy and a thanksgiving within you all right so kind of connecting with that uh, it's probably a good time to sort of open up the word for a minute and we'll just look at this is our our one verse that we'll have up on the screen <laughs> um uh, and it's sort of the most, one of the more famous uh, section, little verses of the Bible. You've probably recognized this uh, in terms of Thanksgiving or whatever. And it's kind of notable because I was, we were just looking at it, and I noticed that you know, just a couple verses back from um, the verses that we sort of remember is we already have this section of rejoice in the Lord always or whatever. Um, this section that it's about celebration, and it's particularly celebration in connection with uh, a the nearness of the Lord, a closeness of the Lord, a relationship with the Lord. So we'll read it here. It's rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. He's near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So I was reading this earlier in the week uh, while we were preparing for this message, uh, and I was struck by the presence of thanksgiving in this verse. This is one that's sort of a memory verse. We might have it in, in children's church, that kind of thing. Um, but I've never really thought about it in terms of thanksgiving. Um, it's, it's easy to remember maybe some of the other parts, the beginning and the middle, the end part, because um, we all have anxieties, right? We all can be anxious at times. So we go, oh, what, what was that verse about? Be, not being anxious. All right, I remember that. Uh, what, what happens? Oh, I gotta, I'll, I'll get peace. All right, so I remember that. But uh, the connecting factor here is thanksgiving, which I think is just kind of neat. Um, so, and a lot of times I think I've read this verse and I've sort of skipped over that thanksgiving, uh, that thanksgiving word there. Um, and maybe, maybe this is just my brain. I don't know, maybe if the rest of you do this kind of thing. But sometimes my brain likes to skip over things like that and say, oh, like, that's just a nice bible word. That's a nice virtue word, thanksgiving. Yep, we should be thankful. Okay. Uh, and that's sort of the end of it. Um, but I think I, I like to remember when I think about these things that... Um, uh, that when, well, that's not the part I'm thinking about. All right. So the first part we remember, since it's a command, uh, be anxious for nothing. We remember, okay, I did that. All right. My notes. Um, okay. So when I look at this, I think it's like um, it's God saying to us, at least, that first um, uh, he recognizes that there are things in our lives that warrant anxiety and fear. Um, he says, I see the heartache. I know the pain better than you probably think. Um, but instead of, instead of just telling you to just toughen up, you know, um, tell you um, other people are suffering worse than you, you shouldn't be just so self-focused. Um, he has a better directive for us. Um, I've reserved a place for you, a place where anxiety and fear cannot enter, a place where you can worship and pour out thanks, and in that place, peace will reign over your entire being. Uh, and while I don't guarantee that this will solve all your problems or, or change even the situation or even make it hurt less, um, I do guarantee that my peace um, will remain with you and that, that it will change you from the inside um, and by extent that it will inevitably change the way in which you interact with those painful circumstances. Um, you'll have a new power and a firm footing that you didn't have before, um, even in the midst of chaos, in the midst of things that aren't um, things that you would want to be thankful for. Um, so it's like, when I think about Thanksgiving, it can't just be this, this linear thing, right? Uh, I give thanks to God, the end, you know? Um, just like most things in the spiritual realm, he doesn't just give us these directions, these directives, these commands um, as something that's just arbitrary or random. Um, he, he set up this, uh, this powerful, these powerful spiritual mechanisms, I think, in the world. Um, and these are things that he set up from the beginning of time that he knows that we can step into. Um, so when he tells us to be thankful, it's not just because it's a good thing to do. It's because there's a, a property to our world that um, it's to our benefit to step into that place of relationship with him um, and take hold of something that he's designed for us to take hold of. So uh, when we move into Thanksgiving, it opens 
um, those doors to some of those spiritual principles that he's already set up, like peace in this verse. Um, when we move into Thanksgiving, peace is the natural result he set up. Um, and these are principles that we cut off from ourselves unintentionally, probably, when we decide that we can walk in, unthank- in unthankfulness. We can cut off peace from ourselves in that way. So it's not about our duty or it's not about an action. It's this deep-seated awe and wonder that we sort of walk into with God, a worship and a surrender. Um, so what I like to so these are sort of big concepts. Um, and when I think about big concepts in the Bible, one of my favorite things to do, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably maybe yours too, is to think about uh, a Bible story or a role model, somebody in the Bible who sort of exemplifies some of these things. Um, and when I was just, so I often, when, we, when we're talking about things, we're talking about these big ideas, and I always sit down and I have to ask myself, all right, so who, what's a Bible character? Who's somebody in the Bible who sort of um, stands for this for me? Um, and usually God just gives me somebody, you know, right away. Um, and this time around, um, and it must be God, because I usually don't think about this story too much, but if you turn to, if you open your Bibles, you could look at First Samuel chapter 1, you'd learn about the story of Hannah, right? Um, Hannah, who's the mother of Samuel. Um, and uh, maybe, uh, hopefully I'm not testing your Bible trivia too much or your memories here, uh, but I'll kind of remind us of the story a bit. So if we remember, um, Hannah starts out, she's childless, uh, and she... Um, uh, it calls her, she's, a, she's barren, she can't have children, uh, and she feels bitter about it at first. And she begins regularly going to the temple to pray to God and ask for a child. Uh, and she eventually goes to the point where she, she just promises God, she says, God, I'll give you my firstborn uh, to the service of the temple um, if you'll only just get, allow me to give birth. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give the child up and he can go, he'll be in the service of the temple for the rest of his life. Um, and, of course, we know God hears this humble prayer, uh, and he gives her Samuel, uh, and he becomes eventually the powerful minister who sort of sets up a lot of big things that happen in the Bible. So it's a very important story. Uh, but what I, what's startling here uh, is that Hannah begins her, her journey focused on what she hopes to gain from the Lord. Um, her identity is wrapped up in this, this idea that she has to give birth to a child. Uh, and, of course, in Hannah's time, this isn't unusual. Being barren is sort of a stigmatized thing to be as a woman. Having a child is sort of your purpose in life in the ancient world. So to be barren is to sort of be inferior to everybody else. People will look down upon you. So she sort of asks, so here we see her asking for a child because she wants one, yes. She has like that genuine maternal heart, I think. But it's also because she's just afraid to be what she'll be seen as by the rest of the world if she doesn't have one. Um, She's sort of letting that cultural opinion of herself dictate her identity. And she's working out of a sort of a place of fear, a place of anxiety, right? Um, But I think as we see as she interacts with the Lord, um, she becomes comes to sort of come in line with him. She's coming to the temple regularly. She's having regular meetings with God. And that inevitably is going to change you, right? Um, So she goes as far as to offer the very thing that she desires, um, the things that she desires most in life, as a thank offering to the Lord, even before she knows that she's going to get it. Um, and I think, I think that's pretty notable. <laughs> um, as in, she's starting to realize that um, if she's going to get a gift from the Lord, um, it will only have value in that it is the Lord that is giving it to her. Um, that he, not the gift itself, is the thing that defines her. 
that she's, her identity is starting to come in line uh, by this process. And I think this is reflected really well when she names her child, uh, her child Samuel, which essentially means the Lord heard me. So the gift is then defined by the relationship she has with the Lord uh, and not the other way around, which is just so cool. The gift, um, the thing that we're blessed with, um, is determined by the value we have in the relationship first and not the other way around. Because sometimes we can think about our relationship in terms of, all right, what does this person give to me? What does the Lord give to me? But Hannah kind of shows us the, the flip side of that, where it says, my relationship is established first, and everything that they give to me is a, tells me that is, is part of a part of that, you know, it's how the, the relationship is worked out, right? Um, and so later, after she gives Samuel into the service, um, you can read in chapter 2 that she just sings this song of worship to the Lord. She just lays it all out. Um, she's laying out how, just how great he is. She doesn't even mention the gifts that she's been given. It's not even about how, how great the gifts you give me or anything. She's just worshiping the Lord and just enraptured how great he is, awestruck by how powerful he is. Yes, so kind of in closing, I promise we're <laughs> wrapping up here, but everything we do must come out of the goodness of God, not our own goodness, but the goodness of God, like Peter was talking about. Um, so thanking the Lord for things and speaking works, words of thanks, even when we don't always feel like it, is a good thing, but it's only a good thing when it's done out of focusing and receiving from Christ um, and from his goodness. And thankfulness is a response to that goodness. Without that very important spirit-induced receiving or the giving and receiving, um, it just becomes a surface-level choice of words, really. Um, because true thanksgiving is a response of worship in celebration and trust of who God is and his goodness, which is an intimate, vulnerable experience of lifestyle. And so when we look at the world around us, it can disappoint. It will disappoint. And when we're disappointed, we complain. And so if we want to develop a lifestyle of thanksgiving, then we look to the hope that never disappoints. And we'll always be thankful. We will always be thankful if that's what we're, where our eyes are looking. Um, and I just want to give kind of an example. Um, my mom is probably the most thankful person I know. And if any of you know her, you probably know that too. But she, she says thank you, Lord, probably 50 times a day at least. And see, the thing is, it's not this ritualistic like, Oh, I have to thank the Lord, thank the Lord. It's, it's always this tender moment. And I don't even know if, knows if she does this, but she oftentimes just throughout the day, like, and it can be the smallest thing, like a cookie or just anything that is just revealing the goodness of God to her. But she will have this moment where she'll just look up clasp her hands together and just say, thank you, Lord. And it's as if no one's around, like she's oblivious to us all 
catching that she's doing this, but she's having that special moment with the Lord. And that has just always inspired me because it's like, I can't even look at her right now because she's just, I'm so thankful for her. But she just walks that way. Like she, she you want to learn about Thanksgiving, hang out with my mom. Like to be honest, it's, she just walks that way and she lives that way. And, and it's, it wasn't because she is a theologian or she studied Thanksgiving, but it's because she knows the goodness of God. And she's allowed herself to open up her heart to see the goodness of God in every single area of her life. And um, so I'm just so thankful for her. Um, And so when we realize that Thanksgiving doesn't get us to God, but comes from him, instead of trying to be thankful to feel more intimate with him, We will receive from him and focus on his goodness, and our response will be thankfulness and praise. Sometimes we do have to choose thankfulness. We don't always feel it, Um, but what we really are choosing is we're choosing to believe God is who he says he is. We're believing to choose um, that we're going to believe who he is no matter what, and we're thankful when we really believe that. Um, Jesus is our gift. (laughs) Like, he is, like, when given gifts, we're thankful. You know, someone gives you a gift, and you say, thank you. And thankfulness is solely dependent on something being given. So when we've received what is eternal, our thanksgiving rises above the temporal and is also eternal. And it brings us into a place of peace and power like Peter was talking about. Um, So go ahead and talk around the table about what you're thankful for. I I love doing that. (laughs) That was me. That's always like, let's say what we're thankful for. And, but instead of it being a means for solidifying your need for thankfulness, remember it's not just about being thankful for him or for things, but it's being thankful in him, developing that in him. And how do we develop that true heart of thankfulness? Know him and his goodness. I was so blessed by the songs that Angie did for worship this morning because it was just about his goodness. And that's just, we need to, we can't just be thankful. We need to know his goodness and allow that response to come out of our hearts. Um, And to trust in him. Like I said, the world will disappoint, but Christ never will. And ask him areas of your life where you're believing lies or looking at the world around you for your means of fulfillment. Because, like I said, it'll disappoint. And that's where we will complain and we won't have a heart of thankfulness is if we're receiving that fulfillment from what's around us. And spend time cultivating your relationship. Intimacy produces fruit. 
So obedience is more about believing and acting on what God is producing in our hearts than, um, than trying to reach him by our actions. Because remember, thanksgiving can only come out of a heart response to being given to, not by something you've produced yourself. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this Thanksgiving um, season, Lord, but I pray that it wouldn't just be a season, that we would start to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving towards you by knowing your goodness, by receiving your love and your peace and your patience and all the good things that you have for us. Lord, that we would know that you're a God of celebration, that you're a God that wants to enjoy and delight in us, and that no matter what you give us, that we love you for you, Lord. And I just thank you for this, and I just pray that we would just open our hearts to receive your blessing, and we would just receive who you are, Lord, that we wouldn't just be polite, to you, Lord, by saying thank you, but that we would have intimacy with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, I was informed with that message. I was challenged with that message, and I was blessed with that message. And I remember Peter and Linnea, when they were in youth group, they, uh, there was a season where Joyce and I were at a lot of meetings there with the youth. And uh, by the way, Peter and Linnea are our youth directors here at DCC. <clears throat> but uh, that teaching gift was there then, and it's there now, and it's growing. And... Uh, also ministry, and we're going to have them stay up here to pray with folks, anybody that would like prayer after, afterwards, whatever your need might be, they're going to be up here to pray with us. So, um, hallelujah. And are we going to be able to get this? Is this, do you have this online too? Or we're, we're going to, we'll put this on our Facebook page too, so you can go over it. There's a lot there to to uh, meditate on and think on some more. So, praise God. Remember the fellowship meal that we have today, and God bless you all, and we'll see you later. God's blessing on everybody. Praise God.